If you would join me today in your Bible in the book of Mark chapter number 10. The book of Mark chapter number 10. And we are continuing our series in the book of Mark. And today we come to a key verse of the book of Mark. The key verse in the book of Mark. You know, the the most unusual thing happened to me right before the service while we were shaking hands. A man came up to me and said, thank you for preaching a long time. Boy, the amens was weak in that deal. (laughs) He was here, not last week, but we had... Folks saved and baptized last week too, but he was here the week before when we had folks all the way around here that was from here to yonder been saved and got things straight and and he just thanked me for uh, not quitting too early. So that's almost like preaching a long time. But I uh, was lazy last night and I didn't study. So this morning, it's short. We'd like to welcome all of you who've joined us by way of live stream and radio, wherever you are around the world. And if you are some of our missionaries, if you'd let us know you're listening, we'd pray for you wherever you are. And we're so honored that you've allowed us to come into your house your car, wherever you may be today. We're preaching out of the book of Mark, chapter number 10. And uh, we're going to read just a few verses together today. How many of you brought your Bibles with you? Say amen. Amen. If you didn't, we've got one there in the pew. And if the writing is too small, we have them in the bookstore for sale right after the service. (laughs) Kmart. Blue Light Special on the Bible today. All right. I begin reading in verse 32. If you'd follow along and we'll try to develop a thought or two. It's good to have my friend, my friends, the Crittendons here today. Brother George, kind of wave at us, would you, wherever you are? All right. Brother Mrs. Crinton is our missionaries to the senior citizens facilities in the Metroplex area. They will probably make uh, 2,000 visits a month to the funeral, to the uh, old elderly, to the senior citizens' homes. Uh, And uh, they're picking one out for me. And I told them to pick one out where I could start a protection racket. And I could charge the senior citizens for me to protect them until I die. And uh, they're looking, and they uh, they take gifts, uh, they take clothing, they witness, they soul win, they uh, preach, and uh, I'm so glad that uh, they are our missionaries to the senior citizens' facilities. A lot of folks are just put in there and it seems like maybe not forgotten but neglected to some extent. And thank God for a preacher 
who uh, was probably the best pastor when he pastored in Fort Worth, and his dear wife who supports and goes with the ministry. Good to have you here today, Brother George, you you and your lovely wife. The Bible says, and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them, and they were amazed, and they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to teach them what things should happen unto him. Saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priest and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. It's kind of a blanket request, would you say? And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand, the other on thy left, in thy glory. That's like saying, Jesus, would you please let me have your car when you die? Really concerned about what the Lord had said. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be cruelly treated. And I'm going to hang on a cross and die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Good. Would you let me have your coat? Am I in your will? What's in it for me? Remember Peter said that just a few verses before? What's in it for me? I read on now for you, please. But Jesus said unto them, you know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, we can. Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal shall you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased. With James and John. Jesus called them to him and said unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. 
But so shall it not be among you. For whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever you shall be chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I tossed, I prayed, I studied, I did research, trying to find uh, something that someone has said and someone has preached that I thought would be good for you today. But in all of my research and all of my searching, Probably not read thoroughly, but uh, just passed over and looked and got pieces out of some 300 sermons on this text. And when I got through looking at 300 sermons, commentaries, I come up with zip. Nada. Nothing. So now we'll bow our heads and go home. (laughs) And then I read again and again and again. And if you want to find something out about the text and about the scripture, just keep reading it. And if you didn't get anything out of it the first time, then read it again. If you're getting anything out the second time, just read it again. Read it and read it and read it and read it. And after I read it, I found these words. Verse number 32. And they were in the way. Forty-seven years ago, I got saved, and I got in the way. The songwriter said, it's a glory land way. He also described it as the bright and shining way. He also described it as the gospel way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is near and the ray grows clearer for I'm in the glory land way. Please notice your Bible, if you would, please. Verse 52 of the same text. And when you get home, if you have time to read it, You'll be reading the text and you'll be reading about a man by the name of blind Bartimaeus sitting by the roadside. And Jesus and his disciples came their way. And he crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and called him to himself and he got gloriously saved. And God gave him back his sight, not only spiritual, I mean physical, but spiritual sight. 
Now notice his response to that in verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Do you see any three words that's familiar there? In the way. Yeah, I'm in the glory land way. Uh, I'm in uh, Jesus way. For many, many years I walked in my way. And the Bible talks about a way that seemeth right unto man. You remember that? Do you have any idea? You remember what the end of the verse is. But the end thereof are the ways of destruction. Jesus talked about ways a lot of time in the word of God. He said one time that there was a narrow way and a broad way. There was a good way and there was a bad way. There was an eternal way and there's a temporal way. And thank God I'm in the glory land way. I just wonder this morning, are you in the way or on the way or out of the way? You see, if you're in the way, you're exactly where God wants you. It may not be hunky-dory. It may not be as pleasant as you think. It may not be what you think it is. But if you're in his way, you're in the right way. And I could not come up with anything out of this. And, I, and finally, the Lord just spoke to me about in the way. And I thought maybe this morning I'd talk to you a little bit about uh, the way. You know, uh, they were on their way to Jerusalem, if you notice that. And Jesus, ever since Bethlehem, has been on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, he's not going on a shopping trip and he's not looking for the best mall in town and he's not worrying about what's on sale at Walmart. He's going to Jerusalem for a reason. He was born in Bethlehem to die in Jerusalem. He was born a baby in a manger to die a conquering savior on a cross. And they're on their way to Jerusalem. And the Bible said, and in the way, and Jesus went before them. Notice that every other time, Jesus is walking with them. But this time, the Bible says Jesus walked before them. It's just a matter of hours before Jesus is hung on a cross. It's just a matter of hours until they beat him and mock him and spit in his face and crown him with a crown of thorns and hang him on a cross and mock him and make fun of him. And the closer he gets, the faster he walks. The swifter his pace. The closer the cross, the swifter our Lord walks. Set in his eyes is a flint at Calvary. Not for his sake, but for mine and your sake. And the closer he gets, the faster he walks. The closer he gets, the more intent he walks. And the closer he gets to Jerusalem, the closer he gets to Calvary, and the closer he gets to paying for mine and your sin, he outwalks the disciples. And the disciples now are amazed. Amazed, if you please. 
because heretofore he walked alongside. Something's up. He's walking faster. And the Bible said they were amazed and were afraid. Is that what your Bible says? I know you noticed that whenever you read it. But they were afraid. Yes, they were. And he says to them, on his way to Jerusalem, Behold, I notice you fellows are afraid. Behold, I notice you're amazed. Behold, we go to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hand, into the, unto the chief priest and the scribes. And they shall condemn him. Mock trial. Condemn him to death. Shall deliver him to the Gentiles. I believe if that was me, I'd be walking slow. But thank God he's in the way. He's in a pre-subscribed way. He's in a predestined way. He's in a chosen way. He's in God's way. He's not going anywhere except where God wants him to go. He is God's Son, doing God's bidding, God himself, incarnate in flesh, walking swiftly, walking gingerly, walking sincerely, walking intently, going to the cross for you and I. And they were in the way. I just wondered today. Are you in the way? You're in somebody's way. Are you uh, in God's way? Or your way? Are are, are you uh, following him? Or are you praying and asking him to follow you? Now, are you at his bidding? Are you asking him to get you out of what you bid already? I'm in the way. Uh, It's a glory land way. It's God's way. I I think maybe it could be a happy way. I think maybe it might be described sometime as a hallelujah way, but I don't know how you describe it. But thank God I'm in it. Oh, yes. The Bible has a lot to talk about the way. The Bible says that it's the upward way. They were going upward to Jerusalem. And always in the Bible, when you're going to Jerusalem, intentionally by God, God set it on a ridge high above everything else. And for anybody to go to Jerusalem anywhere, they had to go up. it's It's the upward way. Verses 33 and 34 says it's a Calvary way. Matthew 7 and 13, it's a narrow way. 1 Kings 8 and 36, it is a 
good way. Are you in a good way? Is good things happening to you? Man, I'm so glad God is blessing our church, aren't you? And I, I want you to know it's not because of you and it's not because of you. It's just because of God's marvelous and wonderful grace. And as long as we'll give him glory, as long as he'll, it's his and not ours, as long as he's doing it, not us, God, I think, will continue to bless because it's a good way. Psalms 107 says it's the right way. Isaiah said it was the everlasting way. He said it was the prosperous way. Psalms 18 said it's the perfect way. Is anybody listening now? Uh, Isaiah said it was the peaceful way. Hebrews said it's the new and living way. Uh, and uh, uh, more, uh, uh, Paul just could not put any more adjectives to it. And he just said, uh, it's a more excellent way. Thank God I'm in the way. Is anybody here today would say amen? Are you in the way? If you're not, get out of the way. We're going to come on through anyhow. Amen. Most folks are standing in the way instead of being in the way. Oh, I just want to tell you today, you know, there's just not enough adjectives in, in, the, in, the, in the human language to describe fully the benefits of being in the way. I was reading this morning a story in the Bible. And boy, I love the stories of the Bible. I read them over and over because I can't understand it if I don't read it over and over. And I I was reading again the story this morning about uh, Abraham sending his chief servant to get a bride for Isaac. Yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous story. Man, you ought to read it sometime. You'll find it over in the book of Genesis. And Abraham summons his faithful servant to go get a bride for his son. Boy, wouldn't that be something today if we did that that way today? And if you got a son that's real mean, just go get him an ugly one. And that way they could have some incentive to be a good kid. Can you say amen? Said, buddy, if you do not straighten out, I am going to go get you a Lulu for a wife. (laughs) It'll work the other way too, ladies. You know what I'm talking about? Just be a mother's girl and she'll send somebody, maybe go get an Aggie or something. You know uh, uh, Just kidding, John. You know, John, I had nobody in mind when I said that. <laughs> and he sent his chief servant, not any servant. He had a servant. He wanted a servant that stay in the way and not get out of the way, but be in the way. And the way he wanted him to go. And he said, I want you to go over there and I want you to get a bride for my son Isaac. And the Bible says he went, packed, Took off 
And the Bible says that the Lord led him to the right place at the right time when Rebekah would come to get the water. And Rebekah responded exactly how that uh, he, she was supposed to uh, respond. And the Bible says, see, the Bible says, I, Isaac, the man who went after Isaac's bride, standing in the living room, Talking to mom and dad. Rebecca standing there and he said, I being in the way, the Lord led me. Amen. Are you allowing the Lord to lead you in the way? Do you pray about purchases? Do you pray about where you go? Do you pray about how you dress and the demeanor and how you act where you go? Uh, Do you you, you pray about uh, how you discipline and how you love and how you try to correct and how you try to raise and how you try to guide uh, your young people? Take an absolute idiot not to ask God to help in the parenting of a child. But now the servant said, the Lord led him in the way. The Lord does not lead out of the way. We get out of the way. We're on our own. We get out of the narrow way. And I'm sorry. The Lord led him in the way. Joseph now is out of prison. Joseph now has ascended to number two in all the land of Egypt. God has used his leadership and his faithfulness and his righteous life. And God has blessed Joseph because Joseph is in God's way. And now Jacob, his father, has sent the kids down to Egypt to get some groceries. Is there anybody here now? And now Joseph has made himself known to his brothers. And Joseph now has stacked the brothers up with goods and groceries. And he sent him back to Canaan after Jacob. And Joseph said to them, see that you fall not out by the way. Too many of God's servants got saved and jumped right back in bed with the devil. Too many of God's servants, because of the way, has now fallen aside and God is no longer blessing. Could I talk to you just a moment about being in the way? Man, I, I, will, I, I, I love being happy. Does anybody like being happy? Now I know some folks are just happy when they're not happy. 
And they're happy when they're making everybody else around them unhappy. They feel good when they feel better and they feel worse because they're never going to feel better. But you know, I noticed in verse 32, they followed Jesus in the way. Verse 52, he followed Jesus in the way. Now what we must be very cautious of, and we must realize that Jesus said he was the way. Being in the way is following Jesus. Isaiah said, this is the way, walk ye in it. I'd like to just leave you three things out of the text about the way. First of all, the way has a destination. It's just not an open-ended deal. Everybody is going somewhere. Everybody's going to end up somewhere. Every family is going to end up somewhere. Parenting, how you do it or how you don't, is going to end up somewhere. Being a husband is going to end up somewhere. Being a dad, a mom, whatever it might be, it's going to end up somewhere. And these disciples were following Jesus to a specific destination. They were going up to Jerusalem. Actually, he was going to Calvary. Three times our Lord told this bunch of disciples, I'm going to die. Notice their response in Mark chapter 8. And in Mark chapter number 8, I find in the text, Verse 27, and Jesus went out and the disciples into the towns of Caesarea, Philippi. And by the way, he asked the disciples, saying unto them, whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. He charged them that they should tell no man this. Now notice. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and of the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Good news. Peter said, you're not going to die. After Peter recognized him as God, then he tried to put God in his place. You know anybody like that? 
I said, do you know anybody who recognizes him at God then goes and does their own dumb thing? And Jesus told Peter where to go. Notice, if you would please, chapter 9. Chapter 9. And I think you'll find it along about 31 someplace. Verse 30, and they departed thence and passed through Galilee. And he would not that any man should uh, know it. And he taught the disciples and said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. What's the problem here? I ask you, what is the problem? The Son of God is saying, this I'm going to do. And they don't understand. See, these disciples are looking for a crown, not a cross. They're looking for a kingdom and a king, not a savior. They're looking for a Messiah on a white stallion, raging war, delivering them from Romans, from Rome bondage. They couldn't get that out of their mind. And three times Jesus said, I came for a cross, not a crown. They could not get out of their mind that he was not going to set up an earthly kingdom. They said, can I sit on your right and I on the left in your glory, in your kingdom? They were talking about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And he's going to reign. He's going to come. He's going to be king. But they're just a few years too early. But now, if you notice something (coughs) very carefully, the nearer to the cross he gets, the more descriptive he is about the cross. The first two times... He mentioned not the spit. The first two times he did did not mention the full agony. But now this time he says, For the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priest, the Sanhedrin, unto the scribes, And they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Notice the conjunction. Each conjunction separates each suffering all to itself. And notice, if you would please, what man can do to God. 
And in the last phrase, what God can do for man. And they shall mock him. Purple robe. Crown of thorns. A reed for a scepter. They'll mock him. If you're the son of God, do this or that. Mocked him. Walked him out in front of gaping, lost heathens, if you please. Stripped of anything that is decent. And they mock him. He didn't mention that. But the closer he gets to Calvary, the more descriptive he is for mine and your sake. Have you ever been mocked? I said, have you ever been mocked? I know somebody that knows how you feel. I know a high priest. I know a loving Savior. I know an omnipotent God that is not talking off the top of his head, but knows what it is to be mocked and jeered and laughed at. In all fashion, such as we, yet without sin. Mocked. That's what he said. He said, they're going to mock me. Yes. No, scourge me. Cat of nine tails. Tied to steel or sharp objects on the end. One handle with nine lashes. And every time it hit our Lord's back, it drew blood, muscle, tissue from his back. Thirty-nine times as that lash came down. It was for you and I. Don't you tell me nobody loves you. Don't you go out of this place and say, there's just no purpose to life. You mean to tell me that God was tied to a stake and bent over freely, if you please, and allowed Roman soldiers to take the kind of cat of nine tails and across his back 39 times? Can you imagine what his back must have looked like and what it must have felt like? And when he was reviled, he reviled not again. The closer he gets the more descriptive. Maybe he wants you and I to know the price that he paid for our ugly, selfish, ungodly sins. Maybe he wants you to know when you stay home tonight at 6.30 to watch the ball game, what a sacrifice you make by coming once a week. You're going to make me mad, preacher. We'll get glad in the same britches you got mad in. Mocked and scourged and spat upon. Oh, how descriptive can you get? Can I help you now? And they shall kill him. But that's all man could do. You may take a life, but only God can give life. 
You may bury our Savior, but you can't keep him down. Oh, death and hell wrapped their graves around our Savior and said, we got him. The devil summons every demon in hell and said, we got to hold him down. He can't come up. He's got to stay down. If we can just keep him down for four days, all the Bible would be a lie. And all of redemption would be a farce. And if we can just hold him for four days. But early on the third day, the ground began to shake. Yes, it did. And up. From the grave he arose. Triumph over his foes. See, in the way, there was a definite destination. Jesus came all the way from heaven, born in a manger, to go to Jerusalem. To die and to be raised again. Can anybody say amen? Amen. In the way. Don't be in somebody's way. Get in God's way. Amen. Amen. It's a glory land way. It's a bright and shining way. But I'd have to say. If I told you that in. 47 years of preaching that I've had no disappointments. I would tell you. That that would be a lie. Being in the way God's way is not always. The more peaceful way. There's displeasure in God's way and it's not there to take you out of God's way. I'm reading the Bible. I mean, reading a book right now. One of the three or four books that I'm reading. I'm reading a book right now on prayer. And the chapter that I read last week is trouble relation to prayer. You know when you pray, you pray when you have trouble. Dear God, get me out of this. Lord, make him not give me a ticket. (laughs) Help me to smile and woo him into thinking that he has just stopped a saint. (laughs) You know when you pray? You pray when you get in trouble. You know why God sends you trouble? So that you'll pray. Trouble and prayer are partners. The Bible said, out of his trouble, God made it, David made his cry to God. Just because you're in the way don't mean you're not going to have disappointments and displeasure. If you notice in verse 51, I think it was, that the other ten was much displeased. I think that's 51. It's not be one of them. Find it. That'd be good for your Bible study for the day. Notice if you would. Mark chapter 9. 
or 10 or something. <laughs> 41. What's 10 verses? <laughs> when you're in the way, you just get. And the Bible said that uh, 10 disciples began to be much displeased with James and John. They probably accused Jesus of being selfish because James and John probably was his first cousin. I'm just keeping it in the family. Has any Christian ever shown any carnality in your presence? Have you ever been in your presence? Isn't it amazing how everybody else can be so carnal? Uh, You know, the destination was Calvary. But the displeasure is always has to do with carnality. What's in it for me? If you go to Matthew chapter number 20, you'll find that James and John's mother is the one who instigated this little deal. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, would you grant that my sons could sit on your right hand or left hand? Whether you like it or not, all of us has a problem in that area. And in the way, we will be bombarded with carnality. Theirs, hers and his. And ours. The person who tells me they are so spiritual is probably telling me that out of their carnality. Like the man who tells you why he's so humble and how he got to be so humble. When the truth is known, we're all just full of flesh. And we try to keep that flesh in check, in the way. Because if we don't keep the flesh in check, it's not long until we're out of the way. Come on now, help me a little bit. Notice a carnal, absolute carnal request. Lord, we would like to be chief potentates in your kingdom. When you set up on your kingdom, Lord, if you could just uh, maybe make a smaller seat to your right and the left, and me and my brother James here would like to sit at your right and left hand. A carnal request, a caustic response. Verse 38. But Jesus said unto them, You don't know what you're talking about. Now that's Gene 3.3. A caustic response. Every once in a while when I'm reading this book and I'm trying to have a quiet time with God, it gets kind of uncomfortable. 
Because God don't mind telling you what he wants you and what you do not want you to do. And I'll tell you the truth, sometimes it's kind of caustic. Sometimes it's full of sandpaper. Uh, sometimes it caught gravel in the craw and it kind of eat at you. And Peter and John, Peter, James and John come and say, I want this. Jesus said, sit down. You don't know what you're talking about. And just, just sit down and shut up. Just. And then Jesus starts talking about a cup in your text and a baptism. Are you able to be drink of the cup that I am going to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am going to be baptized with? And those cocky boogers said, read it. No problem, senor. We got all that down pat. And Jesus said, you indeed will drink of the cup and you indeed will be baptized with the baptism. James was the first martyr. He's the first disciple that died and tasted the cup. John, exiled to the Isle of Patmos, there penned the revelation. Tradition says later in his years, he was boiled in oil. Cup, inward suffering. In the garden, he prayed. And the pores of his skin opened. And it was as drops of blood falling on the ground. And he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. No lash on his back yet. No crown on his head Nothing physical now has happened, but something is happening. There is a suffering, an inward, a spiritual suffering. As God begins to pile mine and your ugly sins upon his own son. And in the Old Testament, the cup is always significant of suffering. You cocky boogers, you want to sit on my right hand. You want to sit on my left hand. Can you drink of the cup? There'll always be a cup in the way. Inward, spiritual, soul ripping, suffering. Baptism, outward, dying to self. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Can you drink of that cup? Jesus said. If somebody told you there wouldn't be any suffering after you got saved, they're the biggest liar in the world. But thank God we got somebody who can help us in our suffering. And carry us through our suffering. And in the fiery furnaces, he'll come and be with us. And in the lion's den, he'll give the lion's lockjaw. Amen. If you're in the way. If you're in the way. Lastly. I should have quit an hour ago. 
there is a discovery in the way. A discovery. Jesus said, and I like this. He said, but Jesus called them to himself. You know, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. Whosoever shall you will be chiefest shall be sermon at all. They just discovered a new way. Uh, They just discovered a new life philosophy. We're not here to be served. We're here to serve. We're not here to be chief dog on the block. We're just here to be another dog. Helping all the other dogs on the block. The great... Alexander the Great, after he'd conquered the known worlds in his day, lay dying on his bed. His chief officers all gathered around the bed as Alexander the Great lay there dying. They were all wondering how and to whom will the power and the prestige and the glory of the kingdom be given. As Alexander the Great Spoke his last words. Someone said to whom. Do you bequeath. The kingdom. He died with these words. The strongest. The strongest. That's how we think. That's how the world thinks. Let me show you how Jesus thinks. The last verse. Even so. The son of man came not to be ministered to. But to minister. And to give his life. A ransom. For many. Are you in the way? His way. Is not big dog on the block. But it's everybody serving each other. Have you ever been saved? Are you in the way? Amen. 